A young boy brutally beaten, investigators say by a neighbor, how his community is helping during his long recovery. From the pageant stage to the political arena, meet the member of Gen Z campaigning to become the first in her generation to serve in the Texas House of Representatives. This storm working through the western states is on track to bring us rain and big time heat relief. We'll track the impacts ahead for the week in first warning weather. Hi everyone, thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Rush. What started as a call to Austin police about a crash soon turned into a murder investigation. Last night, APD responded to a call of a vehicle crash on the Interstate 35 frontage road near Runberg Lane. Police found the vehicle crashed into a guardrail. Inside the car, officers discovered a dead person. But investigators say the injuries were not consistent with the crash. The homicide unit is now investigating. And San Marcos police have identified the victim of a homicide that happened yesterday morning there. Police say 41-year-old Nathaniel Hudson was shot to death, but they have not given any other details about this matter. The San Marcos Police Department closed down a portion of Highway 123 between Redwood Road and Old Bastrop Road for a while yesterday morning while they searched for a suspect. Police have not yet said if they've arrested anyone. A six-year-old boy is still in the hospital three weeks after authorities say a neighbor beat him with a baseball bat. The man accused is facing two first-degree felonies, including injury to a child. KXN's Sarah Arche shows us how this young boy's community is helping the family. The six-year-old boy, Jeremy Diaz, has been recovering for nearly three weeks now. His family says he suffered multiple fractures to his skull from that attack. Here at the Flats, a restaurant in Round Rock, dozens of people showed up Sunday to raise money for Jeremy's family. The attack happened last month on September 11th in Jeremy's home. The family's 39-year-old neighbor, Daniel Logan, was arrested by the Williamson County Sheriff's Office after he was accused of breaking into their home and assaulting Jeremy with a baseball bat. Logan was charged with two first-degree felonies, including injury to a child. The sheriff's office says this was a random act. Sunday, Jeremy's jiu-jitsu teammates, coaches, family, friends, and even some strangers raised money for the family's medical expenses. Among those in the crowd was also Jeremy's father. With the tears in his eyes, he says his son is getting better with each day. We had gone through a phase where the expectation was he was not going to make it. Now it's turned to life and to rehabilitation. We're just going to continue to move forward and I will sleep in that hospital as long as it takes. Along with today's fundraiser, there's also a GoFundMe for the family. You can find that link at our website at kxan.com. Tonight at 10, hear more from Jeremy's father about how his son is doing and also a message from Jeremy's friends as he recovers. Back to you in the studio. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. Sure hope that boy has a speedy recovery. Let's take you outside right now to our Rock and Dirt Yard camera in Buda. You probably noticed it if you looked up at all today. More clouds around today. That knocked a degree or two off the high temperatures compared to what we had yesterday. We even had a few spotty showers in portions of Gillespie and Mason counties and a few lingering light drops there now. Rain chances are going to keep dropping as we head into the evening for those that even have rain. But you can see some of that rain-cooled air in Mason and Fredericksburg. You've only got temperatures in the 80s versus the rest of us just about are in the 90s where it's still, of course, course warm for this time of year. Low 10% rain chances in portions of the hill country at 7. 
That drops down to zero here at 9 and 11 as we go from the upper 80s down into the low 80s as we finish up the evening. Coming up in first warning weather, we've got just three more days of 90s until soaking rain brings heat relief. We'll show you the cooler days and nights, how much rain is coming, and when we're most concerned about the potential for flash flooding. Thanks, Nick. We'll see you in a bit. Last year's Miss Texas is looking to make her mark in politics after ending her reign as outspoken on issues like abortion, gun violence, and immigration. Our Capitol correspondent Monica Madden introduces us to Avery Bishop, who will have to overcome a longtime incumbent in a competitive Dallas area district. From pageants to politics for House District 112. I met Avery Bishop at her alma mater, ready, where we happened to meet two of her fans. Can I take a picture with you? The McKinney native says it happens a lot, especially since she has about a million followers combined across social media. But we have to meet people where they are. That's one way she's hoping to tap into younger voters. This is a day in the life of a 26-year-old running for public office in Texas. Because if elected, she'd be the first Gen Z representative at the state capitol. And I'm pulling back the curtain so that they can see exactly what that process looks like. Bishop broke the mold, not just as the first Asian American crowned Miss Texas, but also by breaking tradition using her position to speak out on policy. Speaking out as Miss Texas was actually probably one of the boldest things I've ever done. It was a little scary. Her decision to run as a Democrat largely sparked by conservative social policies, like the new law banning DEI programs in higher ed. And if it weren't for my diversity and inclusion program at SMU or in undergrad, I honestly don't think I would have gone on to law school and run for office. To win the seat, she'll have to beat the longtime incumbent, Republican Representative Angie Chen Button. Representation doesn't just stop when I see someone who looks like me. I want to see someone who stands for the same things that I do. Being a rep is not a glamorous job. It's a hard job. Serving in the House since 2009, Button is a veteran of tough races. She won by a slim margin in 2020. And I have been tested again, again. And is emphasizing her experience when it comes to the potential November 2024 matchup. I am one of the three woman chairs of the Texas House. And with that kind of experience, influence, and the connection, I am able to pass good, reasonable bills. Button will be reminding her business-friendly district of her accolades and contrasting herself from Bishop. I love to see people get involved, but you gotta have the knowledge and the skill and the relationship to make real things happen. A competitive district with the likely face-off between two women who have smashed their own glass ceilings. That was Monica Madden reporting. In the last 2022 election, Button defeated her Democratic opponent by 10 points. So far, Button and Bishop are the only candidates running. The filing deadline for 2024 is next month. Going in depth now, according to Politico, there are currently 73 Gen Z state legislators working in state capitals across the U.S. as well as one in Congress. To highlight a few of those young lawmakers, 26-year-old Democratic Representative Maxwell Frost is the first member of 
Gen Z to serve in Congress. 24-year-old Republican Elliot Ingen is currently serving in the Minnesota House of Representatives. And 24-year-old Republican Maisie Boyd is serving in the Missouri House of Representatives. Still to come, how Austin Energy is revving up electric vehicle technology in over 100 Central Texas schools. And these little guys are dashing for the gold. How many competed in the races and the good cause they're racing for? Nearly five years after its launch, Austin Energy is revamping its program that brings electric vehicle charging stations and educational materials to more than 150 Central Texas schools. Austin Energy's EV, EVs for Schools program partners with the nonprofit EcoRise to develop a curriculum that centers around climate change and sustainable work. The city energy provider also helps install EV charging stations at many of the participating schools for students to see the technology in action. The new curriculum will roll out this fall with a strong focus on public transit, EV ride shares, and newer technology in the field. These students see their teachers plugging into the infrastructure, then they get that curriculum. Um, and it's just, um, you know, it's it's an exciting thing and it's something that sort of clicks and it normalizes this new uh, mobility. The EVs for Schools program operates at more than 150 schools in Central Texas and has helped expand its curriculum to communities around the country. Digital reporter Kelsey Thompson has more details on the latest EV efforts in Austin online at KXAN.com. And going in depth, Eanes ISD is considering buying nine Teslas for its school police officers. The district says the kind of Teslas that they'd buy are not the luxury vehicles, but basic electric cars outfitted for police response. The cost of each car would be around $42,000. District leaders will discuss the big purchase at their school board meeting on Tuesday. Warm today, but the clouds kept the temperatures down just slightly. 94 the high, the record being 99. The normal, though, we should be around 87. We got the updated outlook for the October forecast from the Climate Prediction Center. Odds a little in favor of it being warmer than normal, but here's what I think you'll like. Pretty good odds of October, which is usually our second wettest month of the year anyway, being even wetter than normal. We've got a real wet week ahead. We'll track the arrival of rain, storms, amounts, concerns, and benefits in first warning weather. Weedy Dogs dashed for the finish line today in the 2023 Dachshund Dash. Look at these little guys go. According to race organizers, about 100 of these squatty speed racers competed for prizes, charity, and bragging rights for their owners. At Suds Monkey Brewing Company in Austin, the dogs raced in 10 heats and then one final race to determine the overall winner. And that's not all. They also dressed up in costumes. It's his first race. <laughs> it's his first race. Yes. So he did it all in the He did bad. I think we'll come every year until he's he too wins, old. Maybe? Or he wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the third year of the annual Dachshund Dash, and it wasn't all just for fun. Money raised goes to Central Texas Dachshund Rescue. It looks like there's some mixes in there as well. That doesn't look like a Dachshund to me. <laughs> I think that dog was cheating or something. They all Didn't count, right? I guess they all count, but when I think of a Dachshund, I think those little squatty legs, and then when they're racing, it's funny to see them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the dog had big legs. Whatever. Okay. Hey, so.
Some of them have the advantage. What are you going to do? I guess so. I hope that one didn't win because I do think that's cheating. Okay, the we'll owner just called. The owner just called. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, beneficial clouds today. We got a bit of shade out of it, and uh, we've got some beneficial rain coming our way later in the week. Some of you had rain today including in the Fredericksburg area, not the entire area, but some of you near Fredericksburg got a little bit of some rain here today. And certainly the thicker clouds over you kept the temperatures down. You're at 87 now at the Barron's Creek Vineyard there, and more rain is in our future. You can see most of the rain missed us to the west and south, but a couple of spotty showers uh, reach portions of Mason and Gillespie counties here today. So consider yourself the lucky ones. Our big storm for later this week is now working its way through the inner mountain west. Yesterday it was on top of California. Now it's right over uh, Nevada moving into Utah and that'll slowly be working its way east and dragging a cold front with real decent rain chances our way. Before we get to the Wednesday Thursday storm, there's actually going to be some spotty shower and storm chances before then. We take you into tonight, which should be a partly cloudy to mostly clear night. I do expect more sunshine for your Monday, but there's once again going to be a very low shower chance generally for the western hill country here tomorrow less than uh, around 10%. Tuesday's rain chances do bump up. More clouds around on Tuesday, still some sunshine. Then notice what happens later in the day. A few spotty showers and storms form, and these could impact portions of the metro, our eastern counties, and the hill country here too. Rain chances on Tuesday at around 30%. But by far the highest rain chances come Wednesday and Thursday. This is Wednesday morning, big picture. Rain developing through the day. I think it gets wetter and wetter as the showers and storms get more and more numerous during the Wednesday afternoon and especially Wednesday night period with heavy rain at times continuing into especially Thursday morning in the middle of the day. But we're now starting to see more signs that some leftover showers and storms could continue through Thursday night and possibly into Friday as well. So we have increased the Friday rain chances, although it does look that by Saturday and especially Sunday, that rain will be out of here. How much rain are we looking at? I've picked this model because it agrees the most with our general line of thinking. We think one to three inches of rain will be a fairly widespread occurrence here through the course of the coming seven days, especially Wednesday and Thursday. There could be some locally localized amounts more than three inches, depending on where some more persistent storms set up. And there's the possibility for some localized flash flooding as a result. The flash flooding risk on Wednesday, the two out of four uh, risk is Austin and Northwest. And then we switch to Thursday, the flash flooding risk is higher for the metro, where it's a two out of four for all of our metro counties, and that drops to a one out of four for our eastern counties. So both Wednesday and Thursday carry a flash flooding potential, of course, if you ever see a flooded road, turn around, don't drown, as we always say. Tonight, a partly cloudy, dry night. Those spotty showers in the hill country will disappear. We drop down to 70. Our day tomorrow, the warmest day of the week, sunshine, scattered clouds, and just that low 10% rain chance. And then things get more interesting. 30% rain chance is Tuesday. That jumps to 70% on Wednesday, 80% now on Thursday. There's one thing to watch. One of our models, just one out of the many that we look at, delays Wednesday's rain until real late Wednesday night and keeps more of the day dry. It is the exception, though, so I still think decent rain chances Wednesday, uh, but it is something to watch. I do think still going to be two wet days here, even if the rain doesn't really kick in until the afternoon or so. Then those rain chances dropping to 30% on Friday and next weekend, 
We could only be in the 70s for highs on Saturday, nighttime lows in the 60s. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. 70s next weekend, that sounds great. Through the first five weeks of the season, the Longhorns are unblemished thanks to another dominant second-half effort, this time over another ranked team, Kansas Jayhawks. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian's got them going right now. The Longhorns rolled past Kansas. On Saturday, 40-14, to 14, the Longhorns literally ran over the Jayhawks, rushing for 336 yards total. Quinn Ewers ran for two touchdowns, but it was Jonathan Brooks who consistently raced past KU defenders. Brooks finished with 218 yards, a career high, and two touchdowns himself. He's made the most of his chances and is a lethal part of the team that is right now at least top tier. I think I'm impressed with the trust we have with each other. I think... You know, like I said last week, we can look everyone in the O-line and the offense in the face and just say, like, we can know we trust them. And uh, I think just that, really just trusting the next person beside you. This is three straight weeks where he has hit home runs. You know, as much as he's running really good, you know, hard yards between the tackles, he's, he's a home run hitter for us right now, too. But now he's putting the two together, and I couldn't be more proud of him. So with Oklahoma's 50-20 beatdown of Iowa State, Texas and OU will meet up as undefeateds next week for the first time since 2011. The Longhorns are ranked third, Sooners are ranked 12th. Kickoff is set for 11 a.m. at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. NFL, the Cowboys absolutely dominating the New England Patriots. It's 28-3 right now early in the third quarter. 15 of those points have been off turnovers. Deron Bland has two interceptions, one return for a touchdown. Cowboys are on the New England Patriots six-yard line, so they're looking to get more points. If Dallas wins, they'll improve to three and one on the season. What a performance from the Houston Texans. They gave the Steelers all they could handle today. We'll bring you the action from H-Time when sports continues. Keep it here. The Houston Texans started slow, but they've righted the ship and at least for now, dare I say, are a threat in the AFC South. I mean, right now. So don't get too upset with me. Uh, Texans legend J.J. Watt in the house firing the crowd up before this one. C.J. Stroud, another really good game from him. Two-yard touchdown pass to Nico Collins, 7-0 Houston. Then in the fourth quarter, 16-6, Texans still up. A little trickery from Houston. Stroud to running back Devin Singletary completes the touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz, 23-6. Houston after that, and then Stroud. Stepping up, nice ball to Nico Collins. That's a 52-yard touchdown pass from Stroud. Texans even their record at 2-2 two two with a 30-6 win over the Steelers. MLS, Austin FC had a tough time uh, in Colorado as they hit the road to take on the Rapids. They had a chance early last night with an Emiliano Rigoni free kick, but the shot couldn't find the back of the net. Then in the 30, 41st minute, Andres Maxu delivered a, a goal for Colorado, his second goal of the season, give the Rapids the 1-0 lead. Austin he had two excellent chances, though, in the 71st minute. Nick Lehman with the cross, Will Bruins header saved by Marco Elich. Then right after that, Rigoni's header stopped by Elich. And then Will Bruins follow. That's a layup. It goes right over the goal. Those are their best chances. And Austin FC comes up short and remains in 13th place.
I think the guys commit, you know, compete extremely well as always. And, um, you know, we're, we're left with zero points, uh, uh, six points off the playoff line, still, um, still, still hope. And, um, you know, obviously the result in Dallas and Houston gave us, uh, to retain the Copa Tejas, which we're happy for the fans and, and, um, you know, which is what's been a disappointing season, uh, in, in many ways. Um, you know, obviously happy, happy for them, but playoffs are a, are a big, big driver and, and, um, we'll continue to push for that. All right, they got D.C. later this week. What a roller coaster ride has been the AL West, but it's finally settled. The Rangers lose to the Mariners 1-0. Astros beat the Diamondbacks 8-1 to win the division. We're back after this.